This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few minutes, Ilya Margulis, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions will be back with us to talk about post-secondary students and credit. Something that is remarkably easy, maybe too easy for many students to obtain once they begin that new level of education. In our next hour, Stuart Zuckerman returns to take your calls on family law matters. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And last week, we featured a glowing earnings report for Home Depot and said Lowe's report should be out next week and results are expected to be the same. Well, Lowe's numbers are out, all right. And while the company is reporting a sales increase of 5%, which is pretty good, they weren't as robust as Home Depot's 7% increase. So Lowe's has decided to, decided rather to cut an entire division, all 99 Orchard Supply hardware stores will be closed, and Lowe's will be reducing inventory to better compete with Home Depot. And as well, Lowe's has hired a new CEO. Shares for Lowe's went up 7% on the release, but Lowe's tempered the report even more by cutting its sales and profit outlook for the rest of the year. The takeaway? Despite a decent year in the hyper-competitive business of do-it-yourself and home supplies, there's a fine line between success and just being in the game. With that story in mind, there's a big conference starting here on Monday in Vancouver that hopefully will provide delegates with new ways to approach success in the marketplace. It's called the CTA Conf, or Call to Action Conference, and it's on, in, and around the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Over a thousand people expected to attend. It's hosted by the Vancouver digital marketing company Unbounce. This gathering will look at ways to improve online business mostly, and featured speakers include marketeers from Shopify, Google Analytics, Rocket Launch Marketing, and Hustle and Grind. This is number 18 of these conferences, so clearly those who go to learn things and bring them back to their businesses benefit. Monday through Wednesday, coming up in just a few days at the Queenie Theatre. We've been reporting on a shortage of EpiPens across Canada for many weeks now, and the situation, unfortunately, remains the same. Pfizer, the manufacturer, has experienced a production slowdown, resulting in a serious shortfall in supply. Well, it's the same in the States. And this week down there, the FDA extended the shelf life of the existing supply of EpiPens by four months. As is the case already here with Health Canada, In the States, the official advice now is, if you need to use an EpiPen and yours has expired, use it anyway, and then report to your doctor or a clinic immediately. This is especially troubling for parents in both Canada and the States, whose kids, many of whom deal with serious allergies, return to school not too far along from now. There has been somewhat better availability of kids' half-dose EpiPens here in Canada, but shortages do exist, thus the advice from Health Canada. Pfizer, by the way, hopes to have its supply issues under control in the next couple of weeks. 
We're quite familiar with car sharing companies like Evo, Zipcar, and Modo here in Vancouver, and they are really popular. Now, Volkswagen has decided to get into the same business on its home turf in Germany. VW will provide the electric vehicles in Berlin first and will aggressively go after big city drivers who don't own cars. The program will be called We Share, and it's expected to be a big hit. If so, Volkswagen will expand rapidly into other European markets and eventually into North America by 2020. This all begins early in the new year and will feature a fleet of 2,000 electric cars for starters. VW and other big-time car makers are investing in new business models that offer cars as something to be used when needed rather than just owned. Oh, and here's a classic. Mounties and Kamloops had both a chuckle and an easy bust the other night when an officer approached a man having trouble parking his pickup truck. The cop asked the driver why he was trying to park in this particular lot, which had a whole bunch of no parking close to the public signs all around it. The driver mumbled something and apparently reeked of alcohol to the point where a roadside breathalyzer test was ordered. The driver eventually received an immediate roadside suspension and his truck was impounded for three months. So remember, kids, when you're out on a Saturday night, you want to safely park your vehicle, have a look at the signs around the parking lot you plan to to leave it in. The parking lot where this guy got busted, the Kamloops RCMP parking lot. Pure genius. Those are some of the week's top stories. We'll look at some more later in the show. Ilya Margolis from BDO First Call Debt Solutions returns to take your calls and talk about credit and post-secondary students and, of course, reducing the stress and burden of debt in your life as well. Stay with us. That's all coming up right after this on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you on this cloudy, well, damp Saturday afternoon. And it's great. It's just wonderful. Ilya Margulis, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions is back with us in studio. Nice to see you again, Ilya. Welcome. Great to be here, Sterling. Uh very excited to be here to talk about a very timely topic. Really Absolutely. Today. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, college kids or post-secondary people and credit because, oh my gosh, is it ever easy to get. But first, uh, just remind us a little bit about your company, Ilya. Uh, first Call Debt Solutions is a division of BDO. So let's start with BDO and, and break it down from there. So BDO is one of Canada's top five or six uh, big accounting firms. Mm -hmm. And BDO First Call Debt Solutions is the division that helps people with their debt. As people may know, we're actually one of Canada's largest and longest serving uh, debt solutions firms. Uh, We have offices throughout the country, uh, something along the lines of 100 offices. And we have uh, offices throughout the Lower Mainland as well. Offices Uh, plural, right? Offices, yes. Mm -hmm. We're in Surrey, Langley, Burnaby, Abbotsford, uh, downtown Vancouver, uh, among other places like Coquitlam. Um, So we're literally everywhere. And we really do strive to help people deal with difficult financial situations. We understand that financial problems uh, affect each and every aspect of people's lives. And our goal is to get to understand people and work with them to uh, come up with a solution to the issues that they might be having in a very non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to learn your story. We want to understand what's happening and come up with a solution. 
so one thing that people should know for sure is uh, if you do have any questions, feel free to call us, feel free to come see us. Uh, the initial consultation is completely free and uh, no obligations as well. All right, lots of more information, by the way. It's a very good website. It's debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And, and with the, all those multiple uh, offices you've talked about around Metro Vancouver, uh, in the most expensive city in Canada, I suppose it should, shouldn't surprise any of us, Ilya, that people in the debt solution business are as busy as you seem to be. Well, there's there's always going to be people coming in with issues. Even when the economy is booming, people having difficulties with finances, it's just part of the normal cycle of things. Uh, there's things that happen in people's lives that cause problems, whether that's health issues, divorces, uh, uh, all, of life's all of life's unexpected things. That's, that's right. It. Uh, so that's where people like us exist to help people get a fresh start. You know, and, and we'll talk about kids and credit in a second, but, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in your uh, explanation of what BDO First Call Debt Solutions can do or to help people, you used the phrase non-judgmental. And I think that's a very important thing to dwell on for a second, if you don't mind, Ilya, because I've found that a lot of people who are in a financial pickle, who are really behind the old eight ball uh, and have, you know, they, they're, they're, they're the reason they're behind the eight ball. And it's probably taken several years to get there. And by the time you get into that extremely uncomfortable position in your life, there are lots of players and parties reminding you of, of the position you're in to the point where you're starting to feel a little cut off from the rest of the world and you're starting to feel dumb like how could i possibly let drop the ball so badly and let this happen to me and now look what i've done it's escalated into this big ugly mess so the last thing i need is for another adult to be sitting across the table from me give me a lecture on what a dumb head i've been for the last few years and i suspect Ilya, that inhibits people with difficulties from calling professionals like yourself who are there to help them out. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what happens. Uh, after people have come in to have a conversation with me, they will often tell me, look, I was so embarrassed to come in here. I was concerned that you know, you'd be judging me as to what, why, my, why I have problems, exactly. all those kinds of things. But then after having talked to you, I now understand that, no, it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Uh, it's just something that you have to deal with. Things, as I mentioned earlier, happen in life. And if you don't deal with them, then it becomes sort of a vicious cycle where uh, debt causes health issues, health issues cause more debt problems, and then it just goes on and on. And at some point, that cycle has to be broken. Somebody like a licensed insolvency trustee is able to uh, talk to you, figure out what exactly is going on, and come up with a solution. So My, minus the lecture and the finger the wagging and all of that yes. nonsense. It doesn't happen, friends. Even though you sort of psych yourself up to expecting something like that, it is a non-judgmental environment. This is just two grown-ups sitting across from a desk to, to, uh, from each other, trying to get to know each other and trying to work out a few issues. That's what it boils down to, doesn't it? At no point is a licensed insolvency trustee going to look at somebody and say, well, you should have known better. Exactly. 
Right. And that's what people worry about. So let's talk about how possibly we could know a little better, because it's all about financial literacy and an understanding of cash flow and debt. And where better to begin that at the post-secondary level? They haven't taught you much about it up to that point in school. Regrettably, the education system doesn't seem to care a great deal about, oh, I don't know, cash flow and debt and, you know, those life skills. Uh, but nonetheless, when you're at the post-secondary level, all of a sudden, Ilya, you're eligible for credit. They can't wait to give you a credit card. That's exactly it. And this is actually a very timely conversation that I just had with my youngest cousin going off to university in Ontario for the first time uh, this week, in fact. Okay. And, you know, we sat down and said, look, these are the things you need to think about as you're getting there. One of the most important statistics that we've come across is almost half of Canadians, about 46%, and half of those in the uh, 18 to 25 years of age range say they were completely unprepared to manage their finances going into post-secondary education. And more than half of those are still uncomfortable talking about those finances. But uh, more than half agree that talking about finances with friends family, and professionals is really the best way to learn about effective money management. Mm -hmm. So how do we begin those conversations long before post-secondary rolls around and there's a, a, a shiny new credit card waiting for you with your name on it and everything? How does that young person approach that with some degree of knowledge under his or her belt? Well, one of the first things that should be happening as kids are heading off to school is parents, for example, sitting down with them and having a conversation about money management. And first and foremost, parents should be talking to their university-aged kids about budgeting. Uh, budgeting for, for students is really about working out what's available to spend, whether that's from loans, grants, uh, incomes from a part-time job, mm -hmm. etc. Working out what the costs are, tuition, books, residency, uh, meals, and the necessities. And then this is huge, uh, putting a cap on certain types of spending, things like nights out, uh, eating out. And then finally, something that uh, a lot of people don't do, and that's reviewing bank statements, seeing what's actually gone out and where the money is going. Mm -hmm. uh, All of which is now, of course, available online at uh, literally a click or two, and you're there. You can check it out umpteen times a day if you need to. That's exactly it. And what students really need to understand is that a budget is something that will help them with a few things. One, if they find that money is tight, if they're not sure where their money's going, or if they're having problems with uh, managing, taking on debt, uh, don't save regularly, or really just need to make the dollar go further. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of useful tools in terms of building a budget okay. on our website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. But then universities uh, on their websites have built great tools for budgeting. I know that UBC has one, Simon Fraser does, Vic, and probably a lot of others do as well, where they will actually uh, ask you where you're living, whether it's on campus, on, on or off campus, uh, which program of study you're in, mm -hmm. and it will estimate what your tuition is going to be, what your textbooks are going to cost, uh, what uh, your transportation might look like, all those things, uh, and give you exactly what your sort of 
going to need to spend in a given month. Now, you talked about student loans. And before we get to the whole matter of credit cards, student loans are, of course, also credit of another form. Is there a tendency, particularly amongst first-year students, Ilya, all of a sudden, you've got, you've been granted the student loan, you've been accepted, approved, whatever the banking word is, and all of a sudden, you've got this amount of money in your bank account. And, of course, a veteran student of more than one semester will tell you, wait a second, don't get too excited. That's got to last you till the end of the year, not the end of the semester, the end of the year. But those first-timers, suddenly that's a big whack of cash to play with all of a sudden, isn't it? It is. It's almost that sort of chitching, I can go shopping uh, uh, feeling, but mm-hmm. the reality is that's not what's, what can happen. Uh, a couple of very important tips. Uh, the first things first, yes, you've got to pay the tuition out of that. Uh, then my suggestion anyway is take that money that's in the bank account and transfer it all into a savings account. And then on a monthly basis, figuring out what your costs are going to be, transfer it into your checking account is almost a paycheck. Okay. So that way you're controlling exactly what the spend can be in that given month. Uh, but here's, and this is using the cash from the student loan. That's exactly it. Uh, but then here's the sort of most important thing to keep in mind. Just because you've been approved for whatever amount of student loans doesn't mean that that's all uh, should be spent. Uh, put the budget together based on what you actually need, mm-hmm. and that's what you should be spending. Uh, the less you use, the less you're going to owe at the end after the school's over, because that's the biggest thing. Once you're done school, that money has to be repaid. That's right. And there's just no dodging that, is there? Uh, and some people, and you know, you're talking, you and I are talking now about typical sort of BA programs like the one your cousin's going to back in Ontario uh, next week. Uh, if you're a medical student or one of the specialties like uh, dentistry or any of those, your student loan is going to be just just monstrous by the time you finish. So if you think a typical, what's a typical post-secondary degree student debt after your four-year program, Ilya, and, and you, you've got your scroll, you're out. How much do you owe typically? It depends on the province that you're in. But in British Columbia, the average debt at graduation is about $25,500. Okay. So that's, that's not a small chunk of change no. to repay. Uh, we actually conducted a survey uh for people under 40. And the average uh, number that came up as still owing, as outstanding from their $25,000 student loan, was about $19,000. Right. So that's still a lot of money to repay, and it's a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, People want to get on with their lives after school, maybe buy a home, buy a vehicle, uh, have kids, all those kinds of things. And having to pay down that student loan, the larger it is, the more those other things get delayed. What percentage of students, to, to the best of your knowledge, just off the top of your head, uh, work to one degree or another to subsidize their education in addition to the grants and the loans and the bursaries and so on? Uh, probably a lot fewer than there really should be. Um, and that's actually one of the best ways to uh, help supplement that budget and minimize the amount that has to be relied on the student loans. Uh, even working a few hours a week, whether it's on campus, off campus, uh, it helps. And out of the kids that have graduated or the students that have graduated, uh, about a third say that they wished they had done Uh more of that. Ah, interesting. Uh, And that's one of those things, whether you're doing a part-time job or whether you're doing it through an internship or a co-op, it makes a huge difference. 
Something to consider. Ilya, I need to take a break. we got to pause for the news here. Let's open the phone lines, Andrew, while we're doing that. 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Your calls to Ilya Margulis, and we'll talk more students and debt after this. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this soggy Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. Ilya Margulis is a vice president and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Back with us this Saturday afternoon to talk about, well, debt realities that uh, a lot of people, a lot more people than we expect, I think, Ilya, are experiencing in this most expensive corner of Canada. And we're focusing in particularly today on students, post-secondary students and credit. Phone lines are open, by the way, if you'd like to join the conversation, if, for example, you are, if you have a student in your life about to take off to post-secondary adventures, uh, and a, a credit card is going to be part of that. Ilya, it's it's a rare post-secondary students anywhere in Canada these days that doesn't go to orientation week, whether it's BCIT or UBC or pick a school, that there's going to be some kind of booth or tent somewhere on orientation week when some smiling person's going to offer him a credit card. That's exactly what happens. The first day that any student walks into campus, whether it's the student union building, uh, doesn't matter where, there's going to be at least a table or two offering credit cards, free t-shirts if you sign up, mm-hmm. all those wonderful things. And you know what? It's, it's one of those things where you actually have to be kind of careful with that credit card. Uh, a lot of people starting out will think, oh, well, I just got approved for a $1,000 credit card. Free money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I've heard this sort of response too many times where somebody says, oh, uh, that's okay, I can afford that. I still have room in my credit card. That's really not the way to look at the use of a credit card. Uh, yes, there's certainly benefits to having one, uh, especially if somebody, for example, wants to build up their credit score so that down the line they've got an ability to get a mortgage or buy a car of at course. a reasonable interest rate, all of those sorts of things. Back to orientation week for a second, Ilya. As these uh, people come into, and they're getting their older their, their class lists, and there's a ton of stuff to learn in orientation week. Who are the people that ho- have these booths, these tents? Is it Visa? Is it MasterCard? Is it American Express? And, and how do they get there? Uh, it will usually be specific banks or financial institutions uh, that have paid uh, the institution, the student union, whatever it might be, a fee to set up a table oh, or a booth okay. on that campus. So they're really so just there. like a trade show of any kind in that way. That, that's it exactly. And they're really there to sign up as many customers as possible. And what they're hoping for is to have make a profit. That's why anybody does business, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way they make uh, their profit, of course, is the balances that students or anybody else that has a credit card carry from month to month uh, because of the interest payments. Sure. And of course, they're also getting the small cut from every transaction that the vendor essentially pays. But uh, a lot of that profit comes from that interest. Absolutely. Now, uh, we're, we're making it sound like credit cards for a young person are probably a bad thing. And that's not necessarily the case at all. Properly managed credit cards for a young person can be a very good thing. As you pointed out, it's the beginning of a lifelong uh, credit rating. Uh, I mean, you have a credit rating until you die. So why not start off on the right foot and get it right? That's exactly what happens. If you have no credit history and you haven't really done anything on that front, Anything that you apply for, whether it's, for example, you've been opening up a BC Hydro bank account or a BC Hydro account, they're going to say, well, we need a deposit right. because they 
can't see any history of you having any financial activity. Uh, but a second benefit to having a credit card for a lot of people, just like anybody else, is getting rewards, getting points. For a student, though, uh, th- those rewards could be cash back, travel points, uh, lots of different things. But one of the things to keep in mind is there's paid credit cards out there that offer rewards and there's free ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of students, they're probably not going to be spending enough money to justify uh, paying for the paid credit cards because, yes, the, the rewards on there might be at a slightly higher range, rate, but you have to spend enough to actually make that worthwhile. So typically, what would what would the credit limit be on a first year post secondary student's first credit card? It would usually be somewhere along the range of five hundred or a thousand dollars. Okay, uh, but again, just because that credit limit's five hundred or a thousand dollars doesn't mean that that's the amount you should be spending. Uh, another use for a credit card is just to manage cash flows. So the biggest, most important rule with a credit card is what being able to pay it off in full at the end of the month. So yes, you can use it to manage cash flow during the month in between paychecks, for example, but you've got to make sure that you've got money set aside to pay it off at the end. Uh, And usually what happens is once you get a statement, you have 21 days to pay it off before interest starts kicking in. Okay. Now, uh, so the benefits, there are obvious benefits for an organized person who perhaps anticipates getting a credit card because it will open a few doors versus those who go, oh, you're offering me a credit card? What's the limit? Uh, a free $1,000? Well, thank you very much. Where do I sign? Yeah. Uh, and the last benefit that I wanted to mention is, yeah, you also get something called consumer protection. So for something you buy, you get an extra year of warranty. If uh, it gets stolen or lost mm-hmm. in the first three months that you own the thing, uh, the credit card company will actually pay to replace it. And that's actually pretty useful on a campus. You know, if somebody steals your cell phone or something like that, you might be able to get it replaced. Okay. Now, so assume that, that the individual is somewhat aware of the positives that could accompany being a holder of a credit card. What are the negatives? I mean, obviously, you can overspend and you can not make your payments and you can blow your credit rating mm-hmm. out of the water before you're even 21 years old if you're not smart about it. That, that's it. The big thing you've got to avoid is the temptation side of it. Just because, as I mentioned earlier, you've got a credit limit doesn't mean you can go and spend that money. Uh, so what happens is if you don't pay it or if you rack up a bunch of money on it and you don't pay it, uh, it will knock down your credit score. It'll be a big negative on your credit history, yeah. whether it goes into collections, mm-hmm. uh, late payments, things like that have repercussions for years and years, uh, which could restrict your ability in the future to, uh, buy a home, uh, get a car loan. So if you've got poor credit history and you're getting a car, uh, instead of being able to be eligible for a loan at 0%, 2%, something like that, you're going to have to pay 10 or 12% interest on a car. And that's very expensive. Sure Cars are expensive as is. So let's, let's talk. I want to include some callers in here. Dave uh, is joining us from uh, Vancouver. So let's include Dave in the conversation as we go forward. Dave, good afternoon. Yeah, hi there, folks. How are you doing? All right. Thank you. Hi, Dave. Good. I got a question. I got just a couple of points here. It's, you know, it sounds cliche, but I was told this at a young age that, uh, quote unquote, those who, I want to say this, make sure I say this right, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And that can be more true for finances. I mean, I'm not a student now, but this is a number of years ago. Um, you know, you look at people, I know people in their, you know, 30s and 40s, you know, they got good jobs, as you're a guest with probably. You know, people have good jobs, but I mean, people, are, they're not only working to pay today's bills, 
They're also working to pay yesterday's bills. Oh, absolutely, Dave. They're being taxed at, what, 20 21%. And when you ask people, like, you know, I, I grew up with a working-class family, and, you know, of course you enjoy yourself from time to time. Absolutely, and why not? You enjoy yourself a little more than you should from time to time. But it just it sounds, it, 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 with finances, it's, it, it seems so elementary to me. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm not second coming of uh, <laughs> Warren Buffett. Right, right. It, it just seems so elementary. But when I ask most people who are my age, it's like, you know, why did you get into credit card debt when you're younger? Why did you, you, you get into debt? And it just, it just, it's that old cliche, you know, people try to quote unquote keep up with the Joneses, right? It's you, you got to cut your cloth according to your core. I don't want to sound like a cynical old man, but it just, it, it seems so elementary to me. But it's just, I just, and when you ask people, I think your guests would allude to, especially more so young people, especially nowadays. Why do you get into credit card debt, or why are you, you got this debt thing, you're like, well, everybody else was getting that new phone, and I wanted to get that phone, or everybody else was buying a new car when they graduated. And, I uh-huh. it, you know? and now we're leaning into wants and needs. Dave, great call. Just before I let you go, I thank you for joining us. What percentage of your peer group, your post-second, your past school, you're out in the real world uh, paying taxes, what yeah. percentage of your peer group, Dave, is still paying off a student loan? I couldn't say, like, off the top of my head, but I think, uh, you know, it's funny. I was watching this video on YouTube, and they said, you know, one guy, he called in, he goes, look, I'm just, I'm paycheck to paycheck. I'm just getting by. Mm-hmm. And the host of that show said, he said, you got to realize, it's, when you say you're normal, normal in this country, and it was obviously the U.S., he said normal in this country is being broke or check to check. Yeah. Right? So if you don't want to be check to check, dare I say you got to be a little weird. great call dave thanks very much great to hear from you this afternoon lots of good information in there and you know it it may be a cliche but uh, you know his point about planning to fail and those who fail to plan i mean it's it's as old as the hills and twice as dusty but it's absolutely still to this minute dead on yeah and it comes down to being sort of short-sighted i came across somebody having a conversation a couple of weeks ago saying well i'm still in school i've got three thousand dollars on my credit card I, I don't feel like paying it. Uh, you know, they can't do anything to me, and I don't need credit in the future. Oh my! Well, you might not be planning on getting a mortgage now. You might not be planning on getting a car now. But what happens when down the line you get married, you've got kids, and you want to move on with your life? Uh, you've got to think about the possibilities in the future, not just say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to need that." And to Dave's point. Yes, the majority of people uh, are living paycheck to paycheck. We yeah. talked about last time I was on here that 59% of British Columbians are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And if, if you're starting out with debt and starting out with large student loans, uh, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball uh, to start off with. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because I do know a lot of people who are uh, well into their 30s, well out of school, like decade out of school or longer, and still chipping away at that student loan, Ilya. It just doesn't go away easily. So we talked about earlier the benefit of having a credit card to build up a credit score. Mm -hmm. So a few tips to make sure that that credit card actually does benefit you. So the first thing is never be late with your payments. First of all, if you're late... That's a negative knock on your credit score. True. But secondly, if you're even a day late on a payment, it actually increases your interest. So if you might be starting off at a 18 or 19% interest, it might spike it to 25% just because you're one day late. Right. And, and I think it's important to go back just one half sentence and starting off at 18 or 19% is something to keep in mind at all times. Yes, which is why the second rule is always pay off your credit card in full each month. Mm -hmm. When it comes to using a credit card, I say ask yourself two questions. First question is, 
if you have to pay this in cash or debit now, could you? If the answer is yes, okay, fine, use the credit card and get the points. The second question is, if I don't have the money to pay it now, will I have it by the time the statement's due? And is that money not allocated to a bill? If the answer is yes to one of those, then yes, you're fine using the card. If the answer is no to both, then no, you can't buy whatever it is that's being bought. Okay. Uh, so then never go over your credit limit. Uh, this is a strange one, but some credit cards will actually allow you to go over the credit limit. They just don't give you a declined message and say, try again. Exactly. But then they'll charge $25 per transaction for being over the limit oh my. plus uh, the extra interest. Uh, so that gets expensive, especially if you're buying uh, you know, a 99-cent uh, chocolate bar or something. You're paying 26 bucks for that uh, chocolate bar. Right. And then – this one is big. Avoid using the uh, credit card ever for cash advances. Why? Uh, cash. There's always going to be a cash advance fee, which is going to be either one percent or I believe about eight dollars of the che- either eight dollars or one percent of the transaction, whichever is greater. Oh, so it's not just a flat rate for using an ATM machine. There's a percentage of the amount you've withdrawn. A- exactly. Oh, Plus. Boy. Unlike I, don't a regular, think, I don't think a lot of people know no. that. Plus, unlike a regular credit card transaction where the interest doesn't kick in until 21 days after the statement, with a cash advance, interest kicks in the moment that the cash is taken out of that machine. Ah. Uh, so it's expensive regardless of how you look at it. Well, you know, we hear about people using their, their uh, HELOCs and their homes as ATM machines, and ultimately they get into the same situation too. It just takes them longer, and the numbers are much bigger by the time that happens. Same deal though, right? Yeah, yeah of course. By comparison though, the interest rate on those HELOCs is generally a lot lower and oh, a lot yeah. more reasonable to cover those short-term short uh, changes. Uh, but with a credit card, yes, use it to ma- help manage the cash flows, but never spend it on something that you can't afford to pay. That's the biggest thing. Uh, never use a credit card to cover an expense that you don't have the money for, that uh, you can't pay by the end of the month because it's just too expensive. That's right. And, of course, now we're into the conversation with our 30 remaining seconds. It comes down to wants versus needs. And if you're going to use the credit card, you better need to use the credit card. Is that a, a safe assumption? Well, yeah. And you know, parents will want to help out their kids as well. But it's one of those things that says uh, – is it something that you can help them without hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's an important decision right there. Lots of great information. Ilya Margulis, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO, First Call Debt Solutions. Always a pleasure to have you in the studio. You're a sensible guy with a ton of terrific advice and a great website to back you up. If you want to learn more about Ilya's company, uh, check out debtsolutions.bdo.com. And if you've got any questions, please do contact us as well through that website or by phone. Absolutely. Multiple offices around Metro Vancouver. Thanks, Ilya. We'll see you again soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sterling. And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Ilya Margulis, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions for another informative visit. And thanks for the calls. Next hour, our phone lines will remain open for your calls on family law matters to Stuart Zuckerman, founder and senior partner with the Zuckerman Law Group. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at the closing of a stinky nuisance in Richmond. Thanks, Sterling. Metro Vancouver isn't worried that one of the region's organic composting facilities is set to shut down, saying there's more than a dozen other existing alternates that offer the same services. 
It said the decision to close Harvest Power in Richmond doesn't impact its organic disposal ban or solid waste management. Spokesperson Don Bradley said that since Metro Vancouver introduced the organic disposal ban in 2015, it now leads Canada in reducing the amount of organics going to the landfill. I believe over 90% of single-family residences and approximately 80% of multifamily homes, as well as food service businesses and related, have access to organics recycling programs. So it's been a tremendous success. We think those numbers will continue to improve, in part because it's really easy to do and it's the right thing to do. Bradley said the amount of organics found in garbage has decreased 9% between 2014 and 2016. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. As wildfires continue to burn across B.C., thousands of residents face evacuation orders and risk losing their homes and properties. If you're looking for a way to help those affected, the provincial government recommends donating to the Red Cross. Donations to the Red Cross will be matched dollar for dollar by the provincial government up to October 12th. Emergency Info BC notes the collection of other donation items, furniture, clothing, and so on, is not needed at this time. The best way to support people affected by the current wildfire situation is through a financial donation. Those wishing to help can make a monetary donation to the Red Cross online at redcross.ca or by calling one 800 418 1111. Other organizations accepting donations include BC Liquor Stores, Canada Helps, Food Banks BC, the BC SPCA, and the Salvation Army. Emergency Info BC is also reminding residents to only donate to reputable, well-established charities and not to give door-to-door or over-the-phone campaigns. And here's a new twist from some firefighters in England. The London Fire Brigade wants the media to stop portraying firefighters as hunky sex objects. They say those images are sexist and deter women from joining their ranks. The London Fire Brigade now has its first female commissioner. And she says the stereotype reinforces the notion that all firefighters are muscle-bound men doing a man's job. And that's a problem. There are over 5,000 firefighters in London, and only 300 of them are women, an issue the new commissioner intends to address. Now, no word from Vancouver firefighters about this, but I can tell you the commissioner has a problem on her hands if she thinks the images of hunky guys will go away because she disagrees with them. I was at a public event here in Vancouver a few weeks ago, which was helped out importantly, by a couple of dozen Vancouver firefighters. And the women at that event were very appreciative of their work and their presence among them. And they said so. A lot. <laughs> and that's the first hour of Vancouver Consumer Today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. Any thoughts or suggestions you might have for our show, we would appreciate hearing from you. Send them along to sterling at cknw.com. We'll take a break for the news, and when we come back, Stuart Zuckerman, founder and senior partner in the Zuckerman Law Group, will be back with us to take your calls and talk about family law issues. This is Vancouver Consumer.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.